When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 143, and we are recording on Tuesday, December 27th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello, Kendra, on the opposite side of the holidays. How are you doing? <laughs> doing well. Season's greetings. How are you doing up there in Snowpocalypse land? You know, the Snowpocalypse was pretty underwhelming, and... Considering that most of the libraries in, at least in Illinois and especially in the area, ended up closing for a day and a half based on all of the weather reports we were hearing, I was less than impressed with the with the snow that we got. I'm not regretting the fact that uh, we got an extra day and a half off right right leading up to the holidays. But I was really expecting something, yeah, apocalyptic, and it was very, it was very underwhelming. And I have, <laughs> I have lived through the snowpocalypse of 2011 in Chicagoland. That was, that was a snowfall to to tell stories about when you're when you're old and telling your grandkids about the <laughs> about the snowpocalypse of 2011. Like that wasn't that was significant. This was middling at best. <laughs> Like, we barely got two to three inches, and it's all supposed to melt by the end of the week anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) My parents just had the cold in in Kentucky, and uh, their furnace is dying, so they're like, yeah, we just had it heat two rooms, and uh, we put the fake fireplace in the kitchen, which is downstairs, and I was just like, oh my word. (laughs) Yeah, the cold was the cold was intense. Now some people were saying it's the worst that they've that they've felt in a long time, but again, I'm like mm, a couple years ago we had like we had the polar vortex in the Chicago area where it was like negative 50. So I'm like again, it's, it was like negative 20 with wind chill. I mean, it is significant, but again, I'm like, all right, let's let's put things into perspective here. So um like a seasoned Midwesterner so yeah. proud. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I know that there was there were some other areas that definitely got hit harder, and I think areas farther east that as the storm passed over us, it it got pretty bad. And there were definitely some areas that saw a lot of really bad accidents. So I'm not downplaying it in general. Just my little mm-hmm. tiny corner of the Midwest. I was like, seriously, this is okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I heard that the, the plane, the Great Plains, I heard got a lot. Um, heard the West Coast, you know, up near Seattle and Portland got ice, and then Buffalo apparently got dumped on. Yes. Um, so I'm very sorry, Buffalo. <laughs> sending recovery vibes to you all out there. Um, here in the South, it was just really cold, and the corgis did not want to go to the bathroom. So they would yep. just stand out there and look at me like, make it warmer, Mom. And I'm like, I can't, <laughs> honey. So. 
Just I remember I remember growing up when we um I've only had a dog um have had one dog in my life and that was growing up when I was a baby through when I was an early teenager and I remember when it would snow my dad would just be like oh my gosh the dog's not going to go to the bathroom <laughs> like he'd have to shovel a pa- shovel a few pads but even then our dog was just like yeah no I'm not doing this and my dad's like well you've got no other choice so <laughs> There's this guy on TikTok that had like a tarp and he would pull the snow, it would pull it up for the, and then it would be like a regular ground. So the dog had ground to go on and then he has all these patches in the snow. Anyway, it was great. And thankfully we didn't, we didn't have to do that here. But um, yeah, the corgis are fine. Dylan enjoyed wearing his sweater. Gwenlian hated hers. And they were just generally pretty adorable. Um, Do they wear booties? They don't. They hate booties. <laughs> like Dylan will do socks inside. He's fine with that. We moisturize his pads. We put on his lotion and put on his socks, right? Because he has, you know, they get dry and cracked pads in the winter. Yeah. And so we do that, but not outside because they hate them. And so they just pull them off. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, we live in the South. It's fine. If you lived anywhere farther North, I probably would train them better, but... I'm like, gotta gotta take away your wins where you can get them and know when to fold them. <laughs> hold them, fold them. There's a, we could burst into song, but that would be copyright. Anyway, <laughs> this is that middle of the, uh, you know, Christmas and New Year week. And uh, we are a little loopy, but we're very excited today to talk about books. I guess that's why we're here. <laughs> books! Yeah, did, were you able to, like pick anything up over the holiday break did you did you find anything or you just hunkered down against the cold well when we weren't watching willow the series on disney plus um (laughs) i picked up uh, things we found when the water went down by tegan nee swanson and this was a book i would recommend particularly in print specifically because it like it patches a lot of things together this uh in 2016 this teenage girl's mom disappears from a prison in like a blizzard. She's been arrested for something we don't know at the beginning of the book. And her mom is in this prison and then she disappears and it jumps constantly in time. They're getting snippets from newspapers, transcripts, all sorts of different things. So if you're a big, like, I'm going to solve this mystery before the end of the book person, this is probably one for you. Yeah, I love books that have that that yeah like you said the kind of like patchwork feel where they have all of these different you know letters and news clippings and transcripts and court reports and stuff like that like i love stories that either they tell the whole story through that or they add them to supplement and add context and stuff i I, i've always thought that was a really cool way of telling a story and i think you're I, I have found that those types of books a lot of times tend to work better in print. I, I would say definitely, unless you have like a really big audiobook budget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what have you been reading, Katie? Well, I've I've had a couple of audiobooks that Libby has had to, re- to automatically return because someone else is on hold for it and I haven't finished it yet. So I've been trying, I've been waiting for some of those to pick up or to come back in again. But I did pick up The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager because I was feeling really guilty. I'm like, the year's almost over and I haven't read the newest Riley Sager book. And I'm not terribly far into it, but I did take some time 
on one of the snow days and my husband was at his parents' house um, to spend time with his sisters, like he usually does when they come in for the holidays. So I had the apartment to myself, and so I had a blanket, and I had both of my cats sleeping on my legs, and I had a book, and I was so happy. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so this one, because Riley Sager always has like a different trope or... So just kind of like horror movie, horror story convention. Like, you know, he's done serial killers and he's done like the Rosemary's Baby type, like old apartment in New York City kind of thing. This one is very much a rear window type of story. And it's about uh, Casey Fletcher, who is an actress who has been recently widowed and she's had a lot of bad press recently. And so she retreats to her family's lake house in Vermont, and she no realizes that she's living across the lake from this this couple, uh, one of whom she the woman she recognizes as a former model, and the husband is like a he's a, he's a very intense like medium not medium mogul but like a tech person like a tech CEO, and she she spends her time uh like she she gets to interact with the couple um she gets to interact with them you know face to face but she also spends a lot of time watching them through binoculars on her uh from her porch and then she you know obviously as she's looking into their life from this very removed vantage point she starts realizing like oh wait a minute something's something's going on here something's not right with these people and then the and then the woman suddenly vanishes and Casey is like oh my gosh what happened to her I need to figure this out so yeah this one is very kind of voyeuristic that type of psychological suspense and I had a co-worker who has been asking me, who knows I love Riley Sager, and she read this book like right when it came out in the summer, and she's been asking me for the last six months if I've read it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Mary, I haven't read it yet. So now I can be like, I'm reading it, I'm reading it, I promise. <laughs> so um, as always, it's a super page turning read with any of Riley Sager's books. And so I'm hoping to have it finished by the end of the week so that I can finish it before the new year hits and so that I can give Mary my <laughs> my review. <laughs> yes, I feel like we, we all have excellent friends who don't give up on us and are just reminding us like there's a good book waiting for us. We just need to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to do that with my husband with a few books that I'm like, what do you mean you haven't read this yet? And it hasn't worked. Um, but he's my husband. So that's kind of par for the course. <laughs> But at any rate, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eyelin. Shu Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shu Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shu Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. 
But the Duke's motives become increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal, join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the critic Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. All right. So welcome to the episode. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We're so delighted to, to have you join our circle again. If you're a new listener, we are so excited to say hello for the first time. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and anything that falls under that suspenseful umbrella. It is very large and it incorporates a lot of things. So if it's so if it's mysterious and suspenseful, it is fair game for us to talk about on this show. And of course, this is the point in the episode where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes. It could be subgenres that we haven't talked about a lot that you are interested in learning more about. It could be author read-alikes. It could be items that have come up in the news. It could be, you know, review of a latest of, of a new adaptation. Anything along those lines. We love to get suggestions from our listeners. They really help us plan out so many of the episodes that we've done thus far. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. Um, we have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry about trying to get information down right now. We just like to put out the call ahead of time to get all those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, there is nothing that we enjoy more than hearing just hearing from our listeners. So definitely hit us up if you feel so inclined. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And with that, I mean, the news, uh, the news, the mysterious and suspenseful news is pretty, 
uh, it's pretty qu- been pretty quiet for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. However, I am taking advantage of this very large definition of what constitutes mystery and suspense uh, <laughs> so that I can mention if uh, you don't follow me on Twitter and not have not already seen me freaking out about this, there is a new movie coming out in March called 65, and it features Adam Driver as a uh, astronaut, I guess? Anyway, he is on an exploratory mission, and his spaceship gets hit by an asteroid, and he finds himself on an alien planet that, by the end of the trailer, you find out that it is prehistoric Earth, and he is about to do battle with dinosaurs. And I did not know that this movie was a thing until my husband sent me the the link. He's like, hey, new Adam Driver movie. And I saw it and I was like, oh my God. It's like <laughs> Alien meets Jurassic Park with Adam Driver as a hella sexy, competent, protective person because there's also like this 12-year-old girl that he that is like one the one survivor from his ship. So he's like in full on like protective dad mode and shooting at dinosaurs. And I'm like, I did not know my soul needed this right now, but it did. And I am so <laughs> excited for it. I'm like, this movie is going to be I'm like, it is probably going to be ridiculous. And I don't care. I 100% do not care. And my husband, who of course was all mumbly because he was just like, Adam Driver. And I'm like, don't lie. You want to see this movie as much as I do. And he's like, yeah, I do. It looks really cool. (laughs) So, like I said, mysterious and suspenseful. Eh, It's... (laughs) We're pushing the limits a little bit uh, as to whether or not this qualifies, but I'm throwing it in there because I'm super excited about this. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? I make no apologies. It's Adam Driver and Space Dinosaurs. I'm like, that's it. That's all I need to know. (laughs) I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. That's what I I sent it or I mentioned it to a few few other people and they're like, wait, what? This, this is amazing. I didn't know this was going to be a thing. I'm like, I know, I didn't either. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I have no idea how that's going to turn out, but I've already told Lane to keep our uh, plans for that opening weekend open so we can go see it. <laughs> so, um, and we'll have a link to the trailer in the show notes if this also sounds like a magical movie combination that you too would like to experience. I I don't know why anyone wouldn't love it. I mean, it sounds <laughs> perfect. Adam Driver, time travel, and space dinosaurs. I mean, I bet that's all they had to do in the pitch room. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like some people are asking, they're like, why did he sign up for this movie? I'm like, I'm really hoping that they pitched it to him. It was like, yeah, you're going to you're going to fight. You're going to travel back in time and fight dinosaurs like the like the trailer implies that Adam Driver might be the reason why the dinosaurs went extinct. I'm just saying. Uh oh. They were like 65 million years ago, Earth had a visitor. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> But yeah, that's the kind that's the kind of movies we need more of in our lives. I'm ju- I'm just saying, I I do not apologize for this for this take. <laughs> um and I think I've talked enough, so I will pass it back over to you. Why don't you kick us off with what we're actually supposed to be talking about in this episode? Well, this week we are talking about the books we didn't get to in 2022. I come from the booktube sphere, so that is a 
A really uh, popular type of video is to make books that you didn't get a chance to read in 2022 that you're rolling over into your 2023. So we thought we would each pick a few books and talk about the ones we wish we had had the time to get to uh, to read that are very much still on our list and we're still very excited about. And uh, yeah, there's going to be a great, there's also like a great variety in our selections. So it's very exciting. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, I was, when you first mentioned this idea to me, I'm like, I already have a list of like 20 books that I wanted to get to uh, this year and never got around to, which I mean, is always the story of my life. And then in that list of books, I had ones that I had bolded that I was like, I was really sad that I hadn't gotten to. So I'm like, so I had, I had a, sadly had a lot to pick from. Um, and while this means that I'm like, oh, great, I've got books that I can just automatically carry into 2023. Like we are still waiting on that magical crime reads list that they come out with at the beginning of every year with their most anticipated list. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just don't even know what to expect from that. But um, but why don't you go ahead and give us your first pick? Because I have come to realize that I am super excited about anything that this author writes. <laughs> and I, so I know I'm going to end up picking this one up at some point, but. Yes. Uh, so. This first book is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. Now, I was introduced to Tiffany D. Jackson at a book festival in Atlanta um, back when her second book was coming out, or was it her first book? It was very early on, and she had not ventured into the horror YA sphere. Um, so I'm trying to describe how do we how do we how do we describe this book? Oh my word. Okay, so we have a school in Atlanta. This is following a biracial teenager in her Georgia high school, um, and it's having its first integrated prom. Um, we know from the very beginning that something has happened at this prom, and Maddie, the teenager, is supposed to be at the center. So we're kind of spiraling around Maddie and what has been going on with her. And like, she has a white father, um, his name is Thomas Washington, and uh, she has been passing for white her entire life. And so when pe I'm assuming, I don't want to spoil anything, so I have read vaguely the description, but I'm assuming, like, people figure it out. And yeah, we see we see what happens when all of this unravels. So I feel like this is giving me Carrie vibes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, are yeah. you also getting carry vibes from this? Oh, yes. And in fact, one of my coworkers was um, cataloging a, a bunch of YA books that came in last week. And she held this one up to me. She's like, Katie, this sounds like the y the Tiffany Jackson YA take on Carrie. And I was like, oh, this looks amazing. <laughs> yes, because that that's really like what I feel is going on, especially when you see the cover of this book, which is completely black, but you've seen an outline of uh, this teenage girl in like shades of gray, but then she's covered in blood. And I mean, that's a carry image if I've ever oh, seen yeah. one. So very excited. And I'm, I'm very excited for Tiffany D. Jackson to like veer off into this horror direction. Like, I, I think this is so cool. I feel like sometimes 
people try to pigeonhole authors into a particular genre or subgenre, but she's like, no, I can do this too. And she can. So good for her. So that is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. Uh, what's your first pick? Well, I um, perhaps not surprisingly, my first pick is also a venture into the horror end of the suspense spectrum. But, um, and I don't feel, well, I feel bad that I haven't gotten to it because this book sounds absolutely amazing, but it did come out towards the end of the year. So it's not like it came out back in February and I've just been dragging my feet on it. So um, this book is Jackal by Aaron E. Adams. And it's about a young black girl who goes missing in the woods outside her hometown, um, which is predominantly white, and it's located kind of in the Rust Belt in uh, Pennsylvania. So kind of that, I, yeah, I guess Rust Belt is the best area to describe that that region. But um, but we have this young black girl who goes missing, but the main character, Liz, realizes that this girl, uh, whose name is Caroline, she is not the first young black girl to go missing in the woods right outside town. There, there. This has been happening before, and one of those, one of those weird, one of those weird tropes. Like if you mention, like, oh yeah, there's this story, and there's a town with a history of children going missing in the woods. I'm like, sign me up. I want to read this book. I don't know why that rings so many of my literature bells, but I love. I love a good kids going missing in the woods story, which sounds awful, but, um, but yeah, so Liz has come back to her hometown of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Like I said, it's predominantly white. Um, her best friend is getting married, which is why she's coming back. And, uh, but then on the day of the wedding, the bride's daughter goes missing, and the only thing left behind is a piece of fabric covered in blood. And Liz is the only person who's like, hey, wait a minute, this has happened before. Um, Liz was the one of uh, two black girls in her high school, and the other black girl, Keisha Woodson, went missing when they were in high school. And she was later found with her just basically dismembered. And Liz is thinking that, okay, this happened before, and now Caroline has gone missing. Something is going wrong. And yeah, so it lo it sounds super spooky. It sounds just, oh, it sounds so good. This has been on so many buzzworthy lists of books that you need to pick up this fall. And it also has this incredible cover. And yeah, it just, it sounds so, so good. And I have been meaning to pick it up and haven't yet, but I am hopefully going to rectify that shortly. And that is Jackal by Aaron E. Adams. So my next pick is Devil House by John Darnielle. And I... Like, you like kids going missing in the woods. I like haunted houses where they're yes. very sinister and most people don't make it out alive. I love, love a haunted house. I am a sucker for a haunted house. So I was around on Bookstagram just this past week and I kept seeing this book pop up on people's best of the year list. And I was like, 
I, I remember receiving an arc of this and like hearing discussion about it and all different things, but for some reason I forgot about it. So I started looking it up and it came out very early in the year, I believe in um, January. And then it's showing up on all these best of lists. And that's just absolutely fascinating to me because books that end up on best of lists that came out early in the year, you know, they have earned their spot. Like they stuck it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a digression on Kendra's view of best of lists. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point is, is that this book is about Gage Chandler. And his mother has always told him that he was descended from kings, um, which is just really interesting to me. Anyway, so he becomes a true crime writer, and he has one success and a movie adaption, and now he doesn't really know what to do after. He's in this, like, sophomore slump. He feels like his career might be over, but he's offered a chance to move into the house where a pair of briefly notorious murders occurred, and it was part of the satanic panic in the 1980s. So he goes to small town California, which incidentally is where the same town where his closest childhood friend is from, and he begins researching these murders. Of course, terrible things happen. Um, it's a haunted house mystery. I imagine that is we can we can basically figure it out, especially since the cover is pretty delightful. On the top, it's black and it has this like old style white outline of a mansion. And on the on the bottom half, on the flip side, it's white. And then the mansion is mirrored, but it has like these like fang things, like a devil featured on it. It's really interesting. And it really is a throwback to the 1980s style like covers. It's it's well so well done. I'm just I'm a big fan. Yeah, this one like this one popped up on my own just personal radar early on. And I think I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure I've tried reading one of his other books that for whatever reason just wasn't the right time for that particular book. But the concept always intrigued me. And so when I saw this one, I again, like, I love a good haunted house story. I love a good fiction story that has strong true crime elements. All of that stuff, I'm just like, this is hitting on so many of my literary suspenseful interests right here. And as is the story of my life, never got around to actually picking it up. But I was always really intrigued by it. And I agree, the the cover, the the cover does a really excellent job of reflecting that that aesthetic from the like when you think like 80s paperbacks or like like 80s hardcovers um and then with the whole thing with the 80s satanic panic and stuff like that it's it's very very well done i think um just from what i know about the book it does a really good job conveying the the tone of the book and so that also i'm just like all right i'm feeling that right and you know when i was looking over these these first two books i was surprised that two that stood out to me were horror because as we know i'm more on the like mystery side of the suspense spectrum as it were so (laughs) i was like oh that's interesting that i didn't get a chance to read these because i did start and dnf some horror books this year um but i guess when a horror book is really good it just stands out in my mind more so i'm always willing to like take a risk because like you never know it might Mm -hmm. be it might it might be my next favorite who knows so um that is devil house by john Darnielle. 
All right. And then before I go ahead with my second pick, let's go ahead and hear from our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone. But, you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done. Eh, she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now, he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. All right. So my second pick, again, continuing with this, uh, with this like horror gothic crossover. And I think one of my 2023 resolutions should be that I'm like, okay, Katie, we got to start reading some stuff outside of this horror, horror crossover area that I seem to have found myself in this year. But I'm like, Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, look, I've just been in a reading run. I've got to pick what, what's what I'm feeling right now. But anyway, so this book, again, came out earlier in the year, and it has just been on so many best of lists. Um, it came in, se- it was the second pick for the Goodreads Choice Awards for the horror category. It's uh, The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas. And this book is... It's been described as Mexican Gothic meets Rebecca. And so so this is less outright horror and more of that Gothic suspense that I feel like is more, maybe more accessible for a wider range of readers because horror can can definitely be very off-putting. But this one has, yeah, this one, this one has a lot of elements going and it's set during the actually in the aftermath of the Mexican War of Independence in the uh, early 1800s. 
And we have Beatrice, who um, she's our main character. Her father has been executed um, after the Mexican government has been overthrown. And so she, her home has been destroyed. Her father has, has been murdered. And she receives a marriage proposal from the very handsome Don Rodolfo Solorzano. And she decides to accept his proposal, even though... Uh, that there have been rumors circulating that his first wife met a sudden and inexplicable death. And she's like, you know what, this is my way out of my current situation. So she goes to live with him at his, his, his estate, the Hacienda. And ultimately, after they are married and he brings her to his, to, his estate he leaves and uh returns to and returns to work and so she is left essentially alone at the hacienda and she starts hearing voices seeing things she starts not being able to sleep um her rodolfo's sister also lives on the property but she you know she and beatrice clash initially, but she also, she refuses to enter the house at night. So why is that? What is happening here? There is something about this property that is making people very, very wary. And yeah, so this has a lot of the, the dark romance that comes with gothic fiction and gothic horror. And it has all of the the, the drama and passionate emotions and it also has the creepiness of this isolated estate that everyone seems to be afraid of it's very evocative in terms of the time uh of the time period that it takes place in and yeah it just seems to con- connect all of these elements really really well and I will admit, I did pick up this book earlier in the year, but again, I've, I've been running into a lot of issues where it's just not the right book at the right time for me, and so I didn't get very far in the book. So I'm considering this a did not get a chance to read. And yeah, so this one, I am really, um, really hoping to give it a second shot and hoping that it works for me because everything is in place. I'm like, this book sounds amazing. And I just need to go ahead and check out my copy again from the library. Um, now, did you happen to read this one? I feel like I talked to someone, maybe a couple people who ended up reading this this year, but I don't remember who it was. <laughs> no, I haven't had a chance to read it either. Okay, it was not you then. I will continue this. <laughs> <laughs> I will continue to try to solve that mystery. But um, but yeah, it uh, and especially considering this is a debut novel, and the fact that I mean, the Goodreads Choice Awards are always. I usually take them with a with a fairly large grain of salt, but this one came in at a very respectable second. Um, in the horror category. And that to me says, you know, debut author that that many people voted for. I'm like, this was this must be a solid book that I just haven't picked up yet. (laughs) And again, that is The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas. And my last pick is also a book that came out earlier this year. And I listened to an author interview with this author, and I don't remember what podcast it was, uh, but as soon as I 
finished listening, I knew I needed to read it. And I remember Liberty was talking about it as well uh, over on all the books. And once she described this book, it, I immediately bought a copy. And I have done that with very few books this year. I feel like that is an award <laughs> of itself when, um, when I try to have such a restraint with my book budget and then inevitably something like this happens. I remember I banned book buying for the first three months of the year, and this is one of the books that <laughs> made me break it. So anyway, all that to say, uh, The Violin Conspiracy by Brendan Slocum is my pick, last pick, and is more of a, a mystery uh, as opposed to the two horror books, which I've also on my list. So this is about Ray McMillian, and he is a black man living in rural North Carolina. And of course, yes, here for it. Gotta have Carolinian representation also. <laughs> Very excited. Off to a great start. So he is a prodigy as a violinist. Uh, he doesn't really have a lot of money, and there's a lot of racism in the world of classical music. So he's been trying to make it and trying to get um, his foot in the door, and he is just incredible. He, he can't afford a violin that he would prefer, so he's been playing on his family's old fiddle for a long time. But then he discovers that that fiddle is actually a priceless Stradivarius. And I would love to be able to explain all of that and what that means. I am not a classical musician, but apparently that is like a one of a kind, very few made. So then he's about to go and perform in this competition, as the blurb says, the Olympics of classical music and the violin is stolen and a five million dollar ransom note is left in its place and now he has to like figure out is he going to go get his violin is he going to try to get a different violin how is he going to find his identity now that his very treasured prized instrument um is gone and that was just like ugh, it's a heist it's like a family it's like a southern guy trying to make it in a world of classical music which hates southern like qualities of fiddle like the word fiddle used just made me so happy because that is a you know it depends on how you play it whether it's violin or fiddle whatever anyway so i am so excited <laughs> can you hear like the jumping i'm literally gesturing at the mic <laughs> <laughs> This was another book that, uh, on my master list of stuff that I hadn't read yet, this book was also on there. And yeah, I remember thinking when this one came out, just what an interesting premise for a story. Um, the the classical music element, the... Uh, the whole element of a, like a, like you said, a Southern Black man who... You know the the world of classical music it doesn't doesn't fit in well with that world, and then you add in like you said these heist elements or these thriller elements of you know trying to trying to figure out what happened to his violin and stuff. It sounds I'm like this is a really unique take, and again, a, for a book that came out early in the year, it has been showing up on so many best of lists. Mm -hmm. So again, this is that that's. Like you said, and I agree with your theory that the books that, that were published early in the year, the ones that show up again at the end of the year, those are the ones you want to pay attention to for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, it came out so early in the year. I just saw the paperback cover, which is a completely different strategy to the very classical hardcover. The um, paperback cover is a bright fluorescent yellow with a violin made up of color blocks 
and the words in black, the violin conspiracy by Brendan Slocum. And it's just really interesting to see like the different vibe that they're going for. And it was a good morning America book club pick. Um, so I'm not the only one excited about it. Um, but definitely check out the violin conspiracy by Brendan Slocum. All right. And then my last pick is a book that I have mentioned a couple of times on the show. And this is okay. So maybe I've, I've technically read a little bit more of this book than like, you know, for example, the Hacienda, but I have not got I did not get very far in it before. This was one of the audiobooks that got returned um, by Libby. So I'm including it because I'm like less than I was less than a quarter of the way through it. So I'm like, barely even started. And that is Hokaloa Road by Elizabeth Hand. And this is set in Hawaii. And that right there is is really, really interesting for me, because you don't see many, many mysteries that are set there. It just doesn't, you know, it's, it's not a common locale. And from the early pages of the story, I was really struck by the author's ability to describe the um, yeah, to describe the scenery, the the wildlife, the state of the island, and you know, combine all of all of these elements to paint this really, really vivid picture. And the other really interesting thing about this story is that it's set during the early days of the pandemic, which is really, it's really interesting because I'm like, it doesn't seem like it's been long enough for authors to incorporate that into their stories. Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. We've got to put that much farther behind us before we start, before we start doing that. But authors haven't. So for me, I th- this is also making me realize I'm like, that I've still got a lot of unproc- unprocessed trauma around the pandemic and everything that we had to go through in 2020. It was, ugh. Um, and so some of those scenes, like the main, the main character's name is Grady, and he, um, he applies to work as basically a living caretaker for this billionaire who owns this huge amount of property in Hawaii. Um, and he's hired him to keep up the, the grounds, the house, all that stuff. But in order to get over there, Grady has to, you know, he has to go through the medical tasks. He has to double mask on the plane. He has to quarantine for two weeks once he gets there and all of all of this other stuff. So that adds an element to it that I'm like, oof, oof, too soon, too soon, too soon. But um, thankfully, there are other things, you know, there, there are other elements to the story that help keep that from being, you know, like a prime, a hugely primary focus. Um, the other thing that I have heard about this book is that everyone who's read it, and just for me from the like first, you know, 20% or whatever that I've listened to, it is a slow burn of a story, a very slow burn of a story. So while I really, you know, I really enjoy the writing, and I enjoy the narrator, and I, you know, I really... I'm enjoying the the picture that the uh, the vivid picture that the author is creating for this story. 
um, it does. It will take a while for stuff to start happening. So if you're looking for something that just jumps in right away, maybe not this book. But it's got. It's still got so many intriguing elements that I am just waiting for my my Libby hold to come in again so that I can pick up um, pick up again where. I where I left off. And so with this book, when Grady gets to the island, he starts realizing that this and this part of the island, people tend to go missing. Again, we've got a missing we've got a missing person story. Again, I, I love a good missing person story. Um, and then he realizes that um, someone who one of the first people he's come into contact with in Hawaii, she has gone missing. And so he's trying to figure out what happened to her and realizing that there's something far more sinister at play. That's where the mystery comes in. Realized I hadn't described that part. I was just going on and on about the scenery. Um, I think I may need a vacation is what this is telling me. <laughs> to Hawaii, maybe, maybe to Hawaii to, you know, support indigenous air you know bread and back yeah bread and um, breakfast because no. we'll have to we'll have to build up the budget i think for that yes. but <laughs> but it, i do i do think it is a sign that i need to um go somewhere else <laughs> but um but yeah no this one sounds yeah it just it sounds so evocative and like and like I said, the the setting is a big draw of the story for me. So if you're someone who really likes a book that uh, where the setting takes precedence and like becomes a character in and of itself, I think this book would be a really good pick for that. Um, and again, that is Hokaloa Road by Elizabeth Hand. And those are our picks. What a what a list. What a yeah. list. <laughs> all right. Well, friends, uh, that is our show for today. Thank you all so much for listening. For our show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you would like to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at writerdead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KDWinchester. You can find Katie on Twitter at KT underscore Library Lady. Of course, those will be linked in the show notes as they are indeed tongue twisters every single time. And we will all talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.